0: If you are new here, warm welcome to you. We are in the middle of a message series on the parables of Jesus. Parables, as we've said, for the last month or so since we started this series, uh, they're really they're earthly stories that are designed by Jesus to uncover or unearth deeper spiritual meanings. And so what we found out going through this series is that, man, Jesus was a He was an incredible, a master storyteller, right? And so there's so much richness to these parables. There's so much truth that we can take, we can apply to our lives in real and practical ways that have the power to actually begin to transform our lives. So this morning we're gonna be looking at the second half of one of the most famous parables that Jesus ever told. It's commonly known as the parable of the prodigal son. As we said last week, that, that really is mistitled. It's, it's a misleading title because it's not a parable about a son. It's a parable about two sons and one really amazing father. And so if you were here last week, the first half of the story, uh, we saw that Jesus, as he oftentimes was, was preaching to this massive crowd. Jesus was a powerful teacher. Um, he's out there. He's healing sick people. He's restoring sight to the blind. man. He's feeding hungry people. He's casting out demons. Just all of these things. Really incredible, miraculous works that people had never seen before. And so the crowds just were swelling. Uh, Jesus didn't go anywhere. These crowds would just follow him wherever he would go. And on this particular occasion in Luke 15, Dr. Luke tells us there are two groups of people listening to Jesus preach. And so one group is what he called the tax collectors and the sinners. Now, these would have been kind of the the public sinners of the day. So we're talking uh, prostitutes. We're talking thugs. We're talking Uh, drug addicts, all all, all that kind of stuff. They were basically the social outcasts, rejects of that society. That was one group. Uh, This group of people, for whatever reason, they were attracted to Jesus. They were attracted to the message of hope, of the coming kingdom of God. But there was a second group that was also in the crowd listening to Jesus preach. And Luke tells us that second group was made up of the Pharisees and the scribes. Now, the Pharisees and the scribes were really religious people. These guys would have been morally upright people, but they were there and they were listening to Jesus and unlike the sinners, they were actually angry as they were listening to Jesus teach and preach because Jesus was hanging out with the sinners. He was hanging out with the the prostitutes and the lowlifes of that society. And Jesus was actually welcoming them into the kingdom of God. And the Pharisees were deeply disturbed by this because I think in their minds, they thought, man, we're the ones who have earned God's love. And these, these sinners over here, they've actually earned God's wrath. And yet here Jesus is. He's welcoming them. He he loves them. He actually goes to their homes. He, he eats with them. And I think they would have been thinking, man, Jesus, listen, we're, you got it mixed up, man. We're the good people. We're the good people. They're the bad people. But Jesus is teaching them that their categories are all wrong. See, it's not about good people and it's not about bad people. It's about people who are either dead or alive. And last week, we looked at the younger son, there's this incredible scene where he betrays his father, right? You guys remember that? The younger son comes to his dad and he says, Pops, listen, I, I wish you were gone. Pops, I, 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 wish, I wish you would just go ahead and die and, and give me what's coming to me. I want my money. I want my inheritance now. And so the father in his grace grants him his wish and the younger son takes all of the money and he goes off to a far away, distant country and he Blows it all in reckless living. So partying, prostitutes, you name it, this guy was probably doing it. He is the typical, rebellious, hedonistic younger brother. Now, eventually the younger brother runs out of money, partying it up, right? Not only that, the economy then tanks. And so we have this picture of him now working on a pig farm, literally starving to death. And then one day, uh, he comes to his senses, and he goes, man, this is what am I doing here? He was looking at the pig slop, longing to eat it, and the farmer wouldn't let him eat any of the pig slop. And he comes to himself, and he's like, well, this is crazy. What am I I doing? Like, even the servants in my father's house are taken care of, and they eat well. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to my father. I'm going to repent. I'm going to ask for forgiveness. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to say, Dad, I'm sorry, man. I sinned against you and I sinned against God in heaven and I know I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. So just take me home. Let me be a servant in your household. I know I could never be your son again, but just take me in as a slave. And we saw this beautiful, scandalous picture of grace where the father sees his rebellious son coming from a long way off and the father doesn't wait for him to get there the father actually takes off in a full-on sprint and runs to his son and he gets there and he grabs him and he embraces him and he hugs him and he's showering him with kisses right and he calls to the sir hey get the best robe get the best sandals get the rings kill the fattened calf we're gonna throw a party Because my son was once dead, but now he's alive, right? He was blind, but now he can see. He was lost, but now he is found. And it's just this incredible story of grace and forgiveness and love and reconciliation. Books have been written about this parable. Entire movie plot lines have been based on the first half of this parable of the prodigal son. It is a captivating storyline. And for most people, that's where we finish the story. Right? We go, yay! The younger son came home, and the father forgave him and loved him, and there's this beautiful picture of reconciliation, and there's a huge party. Let's stop there. High five Jesus. But Jesus wasn't done with the story. There's a second act to this parable. Now, the first act, the first half, dealt with the younger son who represented the sinners in the crowd. Right? The tax collectors, the prostitutes, the drug addicts. The younger son represents that group of people hearing him preach. And what Jesus was saying to that particular group is, listen, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far you've run. You have a father who loves you. You have a father who pursues you. You have a father who desires to welcome you home and embrace you. Just come home, Go home to your father. That's what Jesus is telling this group of people. And they would have been shocked by this level of grace. They would have never heard anything like this before. Just in awe of the grace that this father shows the younger son who deserved wrath and punishment. And he gets scandalous love instead. So I can kind of picture this younger son probably going into this party after he was unexpectedly embraced by the father. And I can kind of just picture him either humming or singing Amazing Grace. You know the old hymn? Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. That's what he would have been singing walking into his party. And now we can picture Jesus sort of maybe looking out over the stunned crowd. Some of them, maybe their mouths were kind of agape at this scandalous story and this incredible grace. And Jesus kind of looks at the crowd and he goes, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. Buckle up. And then we can kind of picture him turning away from the sinners and the prostitutes and the tax collectors and turning his gaze onto the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious people. And he's looking at them now and he's saying, listen, I I got something I need to tell you as well. I got something i gotta tell you too so that's where we're going to pick up the storyline as he begins to deal with the older brother the other brother represented by the Pharisees. so if you have a bible go to luke chapter 15 we're going to be back there as we were last week we're going to pick up the story in verse 25. luke 15 starting in verse 25 and at this point in the narrative in the parable the party is in full swing okay so at this point, people are, they're feasting. The DJ is, is playing the, the younger son's favorite tunes, man. People, people are dancing. This is quite the scene, right? Pe- people who say to me, Christianity is boring, haven't read the Bible, okay? Because God's people are always celebrating. <laughs> they are almost always joyful. They are oftentimes throwing parties. Listen, following Jesus is an incredible adventure, if the Christian life is boring to you, you're doing it wrong. And you remember what the first miracle of Jesus was? You guys remember that? Wedding party, right? They run out of wine. Jesus takes these huge vats of water and he turns them into wine. If you're a Baptist, he turns them into Welsh's grape juice, right? But in either case, in either case, he keeps the party going, right? Keeps the party going. That's what's going on in Luke 15, These guys and gals are joyful, they're celebrating, they're partying. The younger son, who was lost, who was dead, is now safe. He's found, he's alive. So part two, beginning in verse 25, Dr. Luke writes this. He says, Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. He's confused by all of this. Verse 27, and he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has re- received him back safe and sound. So we have this scene of the older brother working out in the field. Maybe it's getting dark now. It's evening time. It's night time, And so he's coming back home after a long day of work. And as he gets close to his father's house, he notices something really strange. He goes, is that music? What? Isn't that music that I hear? Why, why are there so many cars parked out in the parking lot? <laughs> what is going on here? As he gets closer, Jesus says that the older son can actually not only hear the music, he can hear people dancing, which is enough to set off any Pharisee, right? You can't have people having a good time dancing. This is, listen, this is an epic party, right? It's one thing to hear music coming from a party. It's another thing when you can actually hear people dancing, at a party. This is this is epic. As we said last week, there are parties, and then there are parties, and this is a party. The older son is confused by this. He didn't know what's going on. So he sees one of the servants, and he calls him over. Hey, hey servant, come over here. What the heck is going on here? Is, is my father throwing me a surprise party for all of my hard work? Is that, it? Is that what's going on here? And so we can kind of picture this Servant coming out to the older son, he's probably got like a T-bone steak in one hand and a glass of something good in the other hand, and he kind of breaks the news to him. Well, older bro, no, your, your little bro has come home. And your father has killed the fattened calf, and you have never seen a party like this party. You need it. come on in, brother. Here's a glass of this, here's a steak. Come on in, Let's let's have a good time. Let's celebrate that your younger brother came home. Now, what is the older brother's response? Remember, this is his little bro. And they thought he was dead. He almost was dead. And now he's found. He's back home. He's safe. Surely, big brother is going to be the first one into the party to embrace him and welcome him home. and say, man, bro, I'm so glad that you're home. That's got to that's be the response of a good big brother, right? Verse 28. But he was angry and refused to go in he was angry and he refused to go in see the older brother misses the moment because the moment is not about him so this morning i want to give you four marks four distinctives of an older brother as we work through this story and then we'll finish with one application and then we'll we'll be done okay So as we kind of work through this story, I want to challenge you to look at your own life and just see if you can see yourself in the older brother. Because I think the reality is for most of us, for most of us, our greatest temptation is to drift towards being the older brother, not the younger brother. For most of us. See, for me, like at age... 39 it's it's probably not my greatest temptation at this point in my life to just disappear one day and clear out my bank account and go party it up for six months with you know drugs and prostitutes like that probably is not going to be the biggest temptation for me at this point in my life but the subtle drift of the older brother man to begin to perform to earn God's favor to earn God's love to begin to think that I've I've done something for God, to begin to think that I've, I've earned something in his kingdom, that God, that God maybe he kind of owes me a little bit. That maybe, I'm, maybe I'm actually better than these other people over here. Listen, y'all, that, that is a deadly drift. And if I'm being honest with you, I, I'm just telling you, I feel that. I feel that tug in my heart some days. And here's, here's why that's so scary to me. This is, this is true universally, and this is why it's so scary. Pharisees never realize they're Pharisees. Have you ever noticed that? Pharisees never recognize that they're Pharisees at heart. They always, 100% of the time, think they're in the right because outwardly they're doing a lot of the right things. I think that's why Jesus says in Matthew 21, he addresses the Pharisees, and he says this to the Pharisees, to the rule followers, to the religious people, to the churchy people. This is what Jesus says to them. He says, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes will go into the kingdom of God before you. Why would he say that? I think Jesus said that because the sinners, the tax collectors, the drug addicts, the prostitutes, they know they need God. They see their sin clearly. They are not deceived about their standing before the Father. But the big brother, the big brothers among us, those of us who think we're good people, And they think they have God when they really missed God. So four marks, four marks, four distinctives of being a big brother. Number one, older brothers are marked by anger over thankfulness. They're marked by anger over thankfulness. Now, here's what that looks like practically. We wouldn't say this out loud, but this is how it plays out in our minds. God owes me. God owes me. I've done everything I was supposed to do, God. God, I I read read my Bible, and I I prayed almost every day, God, and I I went to church, and and I stopped cussing, and, and my marriage still fell apart. And my business still went under, and my kids still got sick. God, how dare you? I held up my end of the bargain, and you failed me. Big brothers are always marked by a spirit of anger instead of gratefulness because they thought that they could perform well enough to make God indebted to them. Church, I want you to hear me when I say this. That's not the gospel, that's religion. And religion is deadly, man. Religion will suck you in. It will religion will lie to you. It will strangle you with the very Bible verses that you memorize so that you can control God. Religion is toxic, and it leads to a heart of anger. So just ask yourself as we work through this, man, is that me? Do I have the older brother's heart here? Am I am I am I kind of entitled? Do I get angry when God doesn't do for me what I think he should do for me? Don't respond in anger when God doesn't give me what I think I deserve or what I think I've earned. See, angry people are almost always Pharisees at the heart level. Now I want you to look at the response of the father. He gets word right. The servant I would imagine goes back in and says, "Hey, your uh, your older son is here, but he's really ticked off, man. And he he I tried to talk to him. He will, he will not. He will not come into the the party. And so the father goes out to talk to his older son. And let's pick up in the second half of verse 28. It says, his father, his father came out and look at that word in the ESV, it says entreated him. It entreated him. Now, that, that Greek word, it literally means to, to invite someone, to invite, to exhort. It, it almost carries this connotation of, of begging, begging his older son to come in. Now don't, don't miss this. For a lot of us, it's really easy, isn't it? To love the younger son, but to hate the older son. But don't miss this. The father comes out and pursues both of them. The father loves the rebel and he loves the legalist. They're both invited into the party. But I would submit to you this morning that it's the older brothers among us who are in the most danger. Why would I say that? Because the younger brothers know they're sinners. The younger brothers know they're busted up. They know they're broken. They know they're in need of God's grace and forgiveness. But those of us who are older brothers, man, we follow all the rules. We follow all the rules, man. We're we're good people. We don't sleep around. We don't get hammered on the weekends. We wear t-shirts that say hugs, not drugs. We put Jesus Fisher... Jesus fish stickers all over the back of our car, and we kind of think, we never say this, but we kind of think in our minds, like, God is a little bit lucky to have me on his team. And we wouldn't say that, right? But he's a little bit lucky to have me on his squad. See, older brothers don't see their sin. They don't see their need for grace. And so it's the older brothers among us who stand in the greatest danger of missing the party. Isn't that ironic? That it's the moralist. It's the religious person. It's the irreligious person who thinks they're a good person that is at the greatest risk of getting left out of the great banquet. Now, how does the older brother respond to this grace of his father who comes out and says, Son, I love you. Come in, man. This is your party too. Come, come in. You're welcome. What's, what's his response? Now, remember, remember the younger brother, this, this rebellious, snotty-nosed punk, right? Who runs off and wastes all of his dad's money? Big time public sinner, in your face sinner. Remember, we saw last week, he actually repents. He confesses his sin. He goes to his dad and says, Dad, I sinned against you. I sinned against God in heaven. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me? Will you please take me home? And the father embraces him and throws him a party. And the younger brother is now in there. He's in the party. He's eating. I bet he's in there dancing. He's got a thankful heart because he understands grace. He knows he doesn't deserve any of this. Now, how is, how is the older brother going to respond to the same grace, to the same invitation, into the same party? Verse 29. As we go through this, I want you to listen to the self-focused language of the older brother. Listen to this. But he answered his father, look. Now, this is a term of disrespect in this culture. Sons would address their dads in this culture by saying father. You always started by saying father. He says, look, this is a derogatory term. He's talking down to his father. This is disrespectful. He goes, look, these many years I have served you or I have slaved for you. I never disobeyed your command. And yet you never gave me even a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, notice he won't even call him brother. He won't say When my brother showed up, he goes, this son of yours. Now, Cheryl and I do this when our kids get in trouble, right? When I'm downstairs, she's upstairs, Judah's getting out of control, and I can't handle this. Cheryl, come get your son. Come get your daughter. They got this from your side of the family. Don't don't say that. We need a lot of marriage counseling, so don't, don't do that. But that's what the older brother does. He he doesn't say, he doesn't say my younger, when my younger son came. He says, when this, when this son of yours, he has nothing to do with me. This is on you. When this younger son of yours who has le- devoured your property with prostitutes. That's almost poetic, isn't it? He has devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, this is the father now speaking to his older son. He says, son. You are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So the father comes out. He entreats the older brother to come in, and the older brother goes, Dad, I I have slaved for you, man. I have slaved for you. I have always obeyed you. I've followed all of your rules, and he gets the big party and not me father looks at his older son and he says son listen man all, all that i have is yours it's all it's always been yours man all you have to do is come in and enjoy the party it's yours too everything i have is yours, son i love you come in and see what the older brother missed is that you can do the right things and still miss the whole thing you can do all the right things and still miss the whole thing. See, Right action with wrong motivation is worthless. Let me say that again. Right action with wrong motivation is worthless. Cheryl and I celebrate um, later on this week our 16th wedding anniversary. And uh, we were married at 15, and so that's why we look as young and as good as we, as we do. But we've been married for 16 years. Now, now suppose that next week or later this week on our anniversary, I were to come home with a bouquet of Cheryl's favorite flowers. And suppose I were to just sling them on the table and say, Get your stuff. I'm taking you on a date to celebrate our anniversary to your favorite restaurant. And I want you to know that I don't want to do this. That I'm not looking forward to that. In fact, I don't even love you, but I want to do the right thing by God. And so I'm going to do it even though I don't want to do it. So grab your junk and let's go. Now, do those flowers mean anything to her anymore? Does that date mean anything at all to her in that moment? No. In fact, they've become symbols of pain because they are reminders of my counterfeit love right action with wrong motive, friends, is worthless in the kingdom of God. It is worse even because it's not from the heart. It's fake. It's contrived. It's forced. It's not from a place of love or joy. So here's the second mark of being an older brother. Number two, older brothers are marked by self-righteousness over humility. They're marked by self-righteousness over humility. And here's the danger of self-righteousness. Self-righteousness does two primary things in our hearts. The first thing it does is it blinds us to grace. It blinds us to grace. The second thing it does is it blinds us to our own sin. See, this older brother is so wrapped up in what he thinks he deserves that he can't even see the beauty of the grace that the Father is offering to him. See, you will never understand and you will never love grace if you don't think you need grace. And there are so many of us in the church, there are so many of us that would call ourselves Christians, would call ourselves disciples of Jesus, that would say, Yeah, grace is awesome, man. I'm all about it. I I love the grace of God. And it's really for those people out there. Like, I don't really, I'm a pretty good guy. I, I, I might need like a little bit of God's grace. Those people out there, it's really for those people out there. I just need a little smidge. And that tells you that we, you don't understand the grace of God. Let me ask you this. How many, how many beautiful moments of grace do you think that we miss almost every day in our lives because our eyes are perpetually focused on ourselves instead of the Father? Listen, if you if you want a miserable life full of miserable relationships, Here's the secret, all right? You ready for this? You come, you come to get that secret today? You want a miserable life? Here, here's the secret. You want terrible relationships? You want a terrible unhappy life? Make everything all about you. Make everything all about you. Hey, husband, hey, wife, you want a horrible marriage? Focus on your wants. Focus on your desires. Focus on how you've been wronged. Focus on how how you deserve more from your spouse. Students, if you want to be miserable, start comparing what you have to what everybody else has. Start start thinking about how unfair it is that they have what they have when you have what you have. And that's exactly what this older brother is doing here. He's saying, I deserve the party. Not my younger, screw-up brother. I'm the good guy. He's the bad guy. I've earned reward. He's earned justice. See, that's what self-righteousness does, and it's so subtle. We don't recognize it in ourselves, and it's so lethal because it blinds us to grace and it blinds us to our own sin. Friend, have you ever just stopped for like a moment and just considered this? Because I think it's true for like 99.9% of us in the room. Have you ever just stopped for a second and thought about how easy it is for you to recognize sin in other people's lives and how hard it is for you to see sin in your own life? Have you ever just stopped and thought about like why is that why can i so clearly see sin in everybody else's life but it's so hard for me just to see any sin in my own life how defensive do you get when people point out sin in your life that is a surefire sign that you are the older brother in this story Friend, guard your heart against self-righteousness, thinking that you've earned or you deserve the blessings of God. Both the older brother and the younger brother need grace equally because they are both sinners. One outwardly sins, one inwardly sins, but they are both lost. They are both separated from the love of the Father. They both need reconciliation. One realizes it, the other doesn't realize it. Who is in more danger? the older brothers among us who don't recognize that we need the grace and what Jesus is saying to these Pharisees listening to this parable is this you are the older brother he looks, looks him right in the eye he says you got that's, this." Is, I'm talking about you you guys are you guys are the older brother. You think you're good because you're outwardly moral, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, your heart is just as jacked up as the prostitutes and the sinners that you're so proud that you're not like. You need grace every bit as much as the kid with needle tracks running up and down his arms. Religious person, you need grace just as much as the woman who hooks up so that she can pay her rent and feed her kids. See, the older brother and the younger brother's hearts look a lot different, but in the end, they're actually the same. They both want the father's blessing without relationship. They're just using different strategies to get what they want. See, the younger son is using rebellion to get what he wants from the father. The older son is using obedience to get what he wants from the father, but neither of them have a relationship with him. Neither of them love their dad. They just have different ways of using him to get what they want. Here's a third mark of being an older brother. Older brothers tend to develop a superiority complex over compassion. And again, this is so dangerous because for most of us this happens so slowly. Because look, none of, I don't think anyway, I I don't think any of us wakes up one morning and we just kind of go in our minds, today is the day that I finally become a legalist. Today is the day that I'm finally going to become a Pharisee and I'm going to begin to, to, to look at myself as better than all of those sinners, all of those people out there. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe I struggle with little sins that aren't a big deal like pride, selfishness and self-sufficiency and gossip and an empty soul, and a black heart. But at least, at least I'm not like them. I'm not like them. I don't, I don't do the big stuff. I don't do the big sins, man. I, I'm, not, I'm not a druggie. I'm not a drunkard. I'm not a homosexual or a Democrat. Or a Republican. Or a Republican. Some of y'all got a little tense there. I can see some of your inner Pharisee bubbling up. you getting ready to come stone me on the stage, huh? You guys, can relax. I'm an equal opportunity offender up here. None of us, None of us ever wakes up one day and thinks, "Man, today I'm just going I'm going to start being a judgmental, angry, blinded to God's grace older brother pharisee." And yet, that's where so many of us end up in life. Now, hear hear me, especially if you're like me, you grew up in the South, deep South. Especially for those of you who grew up like I did in in the church, you've just kind of always been around the church you've always been around the word of god you've always been around christians you've always been around churchy people bible verses the whole nine yards if you you've just always kind of been a moral person right like you've never become a crack addict or a prostitute or anything like that you've just kind of been a fairly good like moral person if that's you i think jesus is saying to you this morning look out look out this message right here the older brother is for you this is for you Jesus is saying, you, you need to examine your heart as well. It's, listen, it's not just the prodigal son that needs Jesus. It's the older, rule-following son that needs a new heart as well. Now, here, here's here's the, the final trait of being an older brother, and this is the most deadly of them all. Older brothers choose, sometimes even subconsciously, they choose religion over relationship. They choose religion over relationship, and when I say religion, I mean performance. You don't have to be a religious person to be an older brother. You can be irreligious and still be an older brother. See, the thing about being an older brother is that they choose following rules to get what they want from God instead of choosing rebellion to get what they want from God like their younger brothers. This is the danger of moralism. You maybe have heard that term before, moralism. For most people in our culture, the American culture, I I believe this is the predominant worldview, moralism. Moralism says this: If I if I'm a good person, if I'm a good person, things will work out in the end. So if I I don't kill anybody, I don't I don't cheat on my spouse too many times, I am a pretty good person. If I just do more good stuff than I do bad stuff, in the end, God's God's going to be okay with me. I mean, after all, I I didn't murder anyone. I'm not a serial adulterer. I pay most of my taxes most of the time. I'll be all right. I'm a pretty good person. Like I'm cool with the big man upstairs. And I think most people in America are moralists. Now, they might have a veneer of Christianity. They might have a veneer of atheism. They might have a veneer of some other religion. But at our core, most of us are moralists. Most of us are the older brother. That's who most of us are. And Jesus is dropping this truth bomb on us this morning, telling us that if we are placing our trust and just being a good person on our performance, that that path will separate us from God forever. Are you guys following that? This is a huge deal. Jesus is shattering their paradigm of who God is and how to get to God. Do you want to know the really scary part about this parable to me? Guess how this parable ends? The parable ends with the younger brother, the big-time public sinner, it ends with him at the banquet table eating with the father at the party and it ends with the older brother, the rule-following brother, standing outside the house. That's how it ends. You say, well, Chris, what? So tell me what happened? What does the older brother ever go in? Does he, ever, does he ever see the, the blackness of his own heart? Does he ever see the sin in his own heart? Does he ever ask the Father for forgiveness like his younger brother? Does he ever get to go in and feast and be a part of the party? Well, the truth is, we don't know. Jesus ends the story right there. It's a cliffhanger. And I think the reason that Jesus ends it right there is because he wants all of us to do a heart check on ourselves. I love the way... Um, A pastor named Tony Morita puts this. He says, you can live your whole life around the house and never go in the house. You can live your whole life around the house and never actually go in the house. Friend, you can live your whole life around the church and never actually know the Father. You can even serve the Father. You can work in the Father's fields. You can follow all of the rules and never, ever, not one single time, come to know Him or love Him. And in so doing, you will miss the entire party. What a shame. What an unspeakable tragedy. And yet, for many of us, that is the trajectory that our life is on right now, this morning. And here's the here's the haunting thing about what Jesus is getting at here in this story. I think if Jesus was here, this is what he would be saying to many of us. Some of you are the older brothers in the room right now and you don't even realize it. Some of you are the older brother in the story and you don't even realize it. You do a lot of the right things. You follow a lot of the right rules. You work really hard to please God and ironically, that's exactly what keeps you separated from your Father. Because you've replaced what was designed to be a relationship of love with a system of works to get what you want from God. Friend, listen to me. If, if that's you, if you're the older brother, if you're the rule follower, if you're the people pleaser, if you're the one that does all the right things to try to earn God's favor, I want you to know this morning that the Father sees you. He sees you for who you actually are. He sees deep into your heart and your soul. And I want you to know He sees you and He feels compassion for you. He loves you enough to come out of the party and invite you in. And He's inviting you this morning to turn from the filth of your own works. To turn from the deception of your own efforts to be a good person. And simply to trust in the grace that He offers you through Jesus. Because here's the deal. I, listen, I, I'm convinced that they, listen, there are a lot of older brothers who are going to show up outside of the eternal feast one day only to realize that they missed it. A lot of older brothers are going to show up one day to that great eternal feast and realize that they missed the whole thing. Friends, your efforts will not get you to the Father being a good person will not reconcile you to a good and holy God. Religion, sure as heck, won't do it. It is by grace alone, through faith alone and Jesus alone that we are loved and reconciled to our Father in heaven. That's it. there is no other way. Friend don't don't miss this. this is I'm going to give you the big idea now of, of the message and we'll start to land the plane. Jesus is telling us this morning, and we'll put this on the screen. This is kind of the the big idea. If you walk away with something, walk away with this. Jesus is saying in this parable of the two sons that there are two paths to hell, rebellion and religion, and there's a one-way home, and that's Jesus. Friend, there are two ways to miss God, not one. You can miss God by being a bad person, and you can miss God by being a good person. Some of us need to repent from our own goodness or our perceived goodness, right? We, see, we tend to think that good people are saved and bad people are lost, but Jesus steps onto the scene and he smashes those categories. And he says, look, the good guys and the bad guys are both lost. It's not about good. It's not about bad. It's about dead and alive. God wants to take dead people and make them alive. They're two paths to hell, one way home, and that's through Jesus Christ. here's here's the thing, in this story when the little brother runs away and the little brother is starving to death in a distant land because of his own sin in this culture, who should have gone after him, do you know? in this culture the oldest brother had a cultural responsibility to reconcile the family it is the older brother who should have gone after the little brother, but he didn't the younger brother had a bad older brother because he was too busy being good. He was too busy following all the right rules to do what he should have been doing, and that's rescuing his little bro. That's the bad news. Here's, here's the good news. Jesus is our true and better older brother. Hebrews 2.11 says that Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers. Romans 8 says that Jesus is the firstborn of many brothers. Jesus is our perfect older brother, who did come after us when we were in a faraway land, distance from the Father because of our own sin. He came for us and he did reconcile us to the Father by his own blood so that now we can lay down our efforts to try to please and appease God by being good enough and trying hard enough. Beloved, isn't that an exhausting way to live your life? always trying to perform and do more and be just good enough for people to love you or for God to accept you that is exhausting and God is inviting you to get off the treadmill of performance this morning and rest in what Jesus has done for you through his perfect life death and resurrection on our behalf and it doesn't matter if you're here this morning as a younger brother or an older brother the father is inviting you into the feast So whether you're an older brother, whether you're a younger brother this morning, will you repent from your sin? Whether that's in your face sin like the younger brother or whether that's hidden sin like the older brother, the pride and arrogance that damned him. In either case, will you turn from your sin and embrace the Father's love for you through Jesus Christ who came for us as our perfect older brother? As we close, let me invite you just to bow your heads for a moment. We're going we're to sing in a minute. And then we're all going to go home and eat leftover turkey sandwiches and pass out on the couch. But before we do that, I want to finish with this. Tim Keller, a pastor, a theologian in Manhattan, has done a lot of work on this particular parable. And this, this is something that he said that was really meaningful to me. I hope it will be meaningful to you as well. But whether you're here as a younger brother or whether you're here as an older brother, listen to this. Keller says, No matter who you are, you are far worse than you ever imagined. You think you're a good person? No, you're not. You are far worse than you ever imagined. And yet, Keller says, you are also more loved by the Father than you could ever dream. This is the gospel. There are two ways to miss God. You can miss him as a rebel, you can miss him as a rule follower, but there's only one way home, and that's through Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for loving us enough to give us the truth about ourselves. God, thank you for shining a light into our hearts with Parables like this one so that we can see ourselves clearly. Thank you for exposing our hearts for what's really in them. Thank you for exposing us to who we actually are, God. Thank you, Father, that you invite all of us, whether we're younger brothers or older brothers, you invite us into the party, you invite us into the feast, you love us and you pursue us both. God, and for the person here who's on the path of rebellion, like the younger brother, or for the person here who's on the path of rule following, like the older brother, would you show both of them that their paths apart from you lead to destruction? God, would you help us see the beauty in Jesus, God, our, our perfect older brother who came for us, who came to rescue us, and he made a way for us to know you intimately, personally, relationally. Father, for the person here who might be saying in their hearts right now, yeah, Chris, that, that's me, man. I, I'm the younger brother. I'm, I'm on the path of rebellion. Or, or maybe you're here and you're saying, man, I'm, I'm the older brother. I'm the older brother. I, I, I'm the guy that follows all, all the right rules. And I, I go to church and I read my Bible and I don't cuss. And I think I'm doing all the right things. But I'm realizing right now I am so far removed from the love of the Father. I don't know him. I don't have a relationship with him. I am alienated from my father. I see that clearly now. Maybe for the first time, if that's you, brother, sister, I just want to invite you to pray something like this with me right now. Father, I I am a sinner and maybe I didn't even see it before, God, but I see it clearly now. God, forgive me of my sin. God, God cleanse me of my, of my badness. God, cleanse me of my goodness. God, make me new as I, as I trust in what Jesus has done to make me right with you. Give me a new heart because of what Jesus has done for me. I want to walk with you. I want to know you. I want to be in a relationship with you. and I want to start that right now today. Father, for those of us who, by your grace and only by your grace, for those of us who are former younger brothers and former older brothers or maybe a mix of both, God, for those of us who have already been redeemed through Jesus, God, would you, would you teach us to see people in our lives the way that you see them, God? Would you teach us to, to love the younger brother and the older brothers in our lives and invite them into the feast? To come out of the party and entreat them, to invite them, to to beg them, to woo them, to come into the party by reminding them that there's only one way home. It's by grace, through faith in Jesus, God. Help us to live this out this week and for the rest of our lives, for our good and for your glory. And we ask it all in Jesus' good name. Amen. Church, let's stand and sing.